I I needed you to repeat the question because in my head I heard want to peak Tyler and I was like okay so we've got Steven Tyler we've got Liv Tyler <laughs> they're both still alive and well so is there another Tyler that is dead and not well And welcome back to another episode of Who Is My Doctor? Who is my doctor? Who is indeed? I am your host, Zach, and I know a lot about Doctor Who. And I'm also your host, Cassie, and I don't know a lot about Doctor Who. And today we're going back to another two-parter, our first one since the last season finale. Oh. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) Uh, You do get to meet uh, the second of the Doctor's trinity of nemeses this time. (gasps) Hooray! Uh, you've already met the Daleks. Which we love. We yeah, you stand. love the Daleks. Uh, this is, today you meet, as the title implies, uh, for in Rise of the Cybermen, you get to meet the Cybermen. So just to, just so I'm clear, this, this this is the two-parter, Rise of the Cybermen and Age of Steel. I don't know that I want to spoil much for you about them. I think it'd be more fun if I had that be part of the Cassie Profassi today. Okie dokie. Uh, what do you think the Cybermen's whole deal is? I... As I'm running through my little mind palace, trying to, like, summon any image, any anything I know about Doctor Who, there is one type of robot that I feel like is connected to Doctor Who, but I'm not entirely sure. Okay. Um, Just because there are a lot of robots in my mind palace. (laughs) And I don't know where they come from. They just kind of are all in the same room staring at each other. And so I, I don't know if the one that I am thinking of is, is a doctor who robot, but if I am correct, I'm going to be so happy. Okay. It's like a coppery looking, which I know is the same thing I said about Dalek, which is not helpful, but (laughs) this, this show tends to like to use copper. Well, let's uh, maybe I don't need you to just I'm not necessarily needing you to describe their looks. Um, I'm more just they have like a they as a group have a goal uh, in the same way that Daleks have the goal of like exterminating all life that is not Dalek. The Cybermen also have a goal. Do you want to take a guess as to what that goal might be? I'd imagine that since you said that this is another nemesis of the Doctor, that perhaps their goal would be to eradicate all Time Lords. Okay. Just because it would be a little odd if their goal was also kill all humans. (laughs) I don't think that the writers would do that twice with robots of varying size and height Mm -hmm. um be that as it may well i don't know because if it's a two-parter and the next part is age of steel then it might be not dissimilar for mitchell's versus the machines okay where it's like robots just want it's it's these particular robots wanting to take over life on Planets. In this case, it would be life on Earth to 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 have a planet of their own, I suppose. So maybe that's my guess. Okay. So by take and by takeover, you mean either like conquer a planet uh, or like eject its people from the Earth in the same way that Mitchell's versus the Machines does. Yes. Um, okay. So you so you think that the uh, the Cybermen's goal is to is to not necessarily eliminate, but to remove just to physically remove life from a planet so that it can become their own. Yes. Okay. Uh, we could we can put that as the first Cassie Profassi, and then the second one. Uh, so this episode is set on February first, two thousand and six, but one Pete Tyler, Rose Tyler's father, okay, is alive and well. Okay. Why do you think that might be? I don't know because I've gotten the past two professies wrong. Zach, the wind is out of my sails. <laughs> well, you do get four professies this episode. Yeah, but each 
each guess counts. Yeah. I I'm at a deficit now. I'm at 15 out of 32. Yep. That is not that does not bode well for me. I'm failing, Zach. I'm dying. <laughs> you started off so strong and just as we've kept going, you've hovered at this 50% mark. I'm below the 50% mark now, Zach. I I need you to throw me just a little bone. Give me something easy. Well, there's only so many ways someone could be dead and then alive. Yeah, it's and it's either they go back in time or this is an alternate Earth. All right. Well, which of those two things do you I think is the truth? No, because now I'm at another 50-50 chance, Zach. Can't I, like, call a friend? <laughs> Who would you call? Can I phone a friend? Well, you got you got your two. You, you've given two options. You just you can pick one of them based on your own heart. Did they go back and pick him up, or do they travel to an alternate dimension? I don't know, because I know whichever one I pick is going to be the opposite. <laughs> as soon as you pick one, you drop into, into the alternate dimension where it's the other thing. Exactly. <laughs> Save scumming doesn't work in real life. Shro I didn't know this. <laughs> this is Schrodinger's Pete. Oh, my goodness. This is Sh uh, Schrodinger's Tyler. He is both alive and dead in the same uh, universe. Shros Shrosdinger. Shrosdinger. That Tyler. sounds gross. <laughs> that sounds like an ailment. Because they already went back in time once to, to talk to Pete. Mm -hmm. And so my thought is that that story was like, Shut and sealed, tied off with an ice bow. I don't think that they would simply go back in time just to relive any of that. I think that they need him for something. Okay. Either having to do maybe with those, like, awful giant mosquito motherfuckers. <laughs> well, they're not dealing with the giant mosquitoes this time. They're dealing with the Cybermen, so... If that know. influences your feelings at all. Well, no, because Pete was a salesman. He was an entrepreneur. There's no, he, as far as I know, doesn't have anything that would prove useful to our lovable crew aboard the TARDIS. <laughs> all right. So you're saying they wouldn't go back in time then? No. Well, ugh, because you said it like that, they might. <laughs> I'm trying to make you will, feel a little sorry that I'm on a losing if it streak. Makes, if it makes you feel better, I will tell you it is one of the two things you've said. Oh, okay, cool. Damn it. Can like, I get like a half point then? Can I just write down both and get a half point? <laughs> no, you won't. I, I feel like, because well, if you get a half point, that would still be, you, you would still be relying on the other one to make up for it. Zach, we're uh, we're ten minutes deep already, and nothing's happened. I think you just have to give me the point right out the gate. <laughs> you, just, you just want me to, you just want to force it from me, pry it from my cold dead hand. I'm really trying my hardest to read you right now, because that is not a skill I'm very good at. Okay, uh, <laughs> I, I do have a very like not a blank face necessarily, because I am smiling, but I'm. You know, I'm. I'm also kind of stupid, Zach. <laughs> I never this said is something, you were stupid. This is something that the world needs to know. <laughs> I am not the brightest bulb in the bunch. I make up for it with my cleverness and my wit and my sass. And your sass. And that is it. Oh my god, I hate this. I don't know. I don't know, Zach. You want me to just guess? Yes. You want me to just say something so that way you can have that oh, smug yeah, little no, shit-eating grin on your face I don't expect you to make an educated answer. The entire time during the episode because I'm <laughs> mad at myself and I'm kicking my little feet out of rage and you're just sitting there, <laughs> your little Zach giggle that you do. You want me to just guess? Yes. See, the thing about that is uh, I forgot what my two things were. Your two answers were they either went back in time and picked Pete up. Or they found themselves in an alternate, alternate dimension. Alternate universe. I'm cashing in on alternate universe. Okay. Alternate universe it is. So Cassie's guesses are the Cybermen wish to not kill but all- But that also doesn't make sense in that context. Oh! Oh! <laughs> 
Because why would there be an alternate universe if the if if in my narrative, if in my flow, the Cybermen want to take over? Ugh. But then why would they have to go back in time and get Pete? Fuck it. I'm wrong. It's alternate universe. All right. It's an alternate universe. And the Cybermen wish... No, I try to make sense of what I'm saying. Just accept them as two separate yeah, these are, things. Yeah, these are two separate thoughts. Yeah. So the, the casting for Fassie is this takes place in an alternate universe. And the Cybermen's whole deal is they wish to remove but not necessarily exterminate life in order to conquer a planet. I think those will be the two guesses that she has for this episode. We will find out if those are correct when we after we watch... Rise of the Cybermen. Yeah, fuck you, Zach. Preemptive fuck you. (laughs) I love you too. This episode of Who Is My Doctor is brought to you by... Uh... Hang on. I... I know I must have put... I must have put the ad somewhere. I... I mean, it would just, it would be, it would be really stupid to just, to not have an ad. I mean, how, how are we supposed to, how how are we supposed to put food on the table if we don't have an ad? I, oh God. Oh, oh no. Uh, buy gold. We are back between the episodes here following Rise of the Cybermen. Hey, Zach. Yes. These these guys? Mm-hmm. These are not little guys. These are not little guys. No, these are these are big boys. Oh, these are scary guys. <laughs> that they are. Um I think more people, at least the American side of this, might know the Borg from Star Trek. Uh the Borg was ripped off from the Cybermen. They are, whereas the Daleks are about extermination, the Cybermen are about assimilation. About uh, deletion. Very different from extermination. Well, deletion is is more their second resort. Their primary goal is to make everything Cyberman. Uh-huh. Yes, so they are not necessarily, that is why they're talking at the end here about compulsory upgrades. Everyone must be upgraded into Cyberman. That is the Cyberman's whole deal. I hate it. <laughs> I absolutely hate it. And I know that we'll touch up on this um, at at the back half, but it also does have very strong, not the Cybermen necessarily, but just this particular world has very strong Fahrenheit 451 energy, specifically with their little ear pods, which I wrote down as seashells. Because <laughs> have you read Fahrenheit 451? I have not. Um, effectively in that book, like there are only a hand, like a handful of people that have not completely given in to the, like, uh, I, like, I, I don't want to call them an all powerful being because it's not, there isn't like an antagonist. Society is kind of the antagonist and, and, um, there is a trend of like people get these, what? what they refer to as seashells and they put them in their ear and you know that's where they get the news and where they get all current events mm-hmm. uh mind you this book was written i believe in the 50s so you know any sort of airpod or wireless device uh connected to a mini computer did not exist nor was not something that was really even like in any kind of zeitgeist quite yet um but these particular ear pods reminded me exactly of that and so there is quite a uh quite a fervent fahrenheit 451 vibe already which is kind of cool because that story fucked me up as a kid <laughs> i read that in the fifth grade there is also something kind of funny about them being called ear pods and then today we have Apple's AirPods, uh, which are not exactly the same, but they... Yeah, because ours are much smaller. <laughs> they at least uh, serve a, a similar visual function. 
And similar to the seashells, they also give you the news. You can tune in to as as far away as Venezuela. <laughs> Why you need to tune in to news in Venezuela, you won't know <laughs> until you do it. So it's worth noting that this is not... I mean, I feel it's pretty obvious. This is not the original origin story for the Cybermen. I, I could figure that. Uh, this... This felt like a reskinning of... Yes, they're sort of a way to reintroduce them in a way that, I don't want to say makes more sense, but in a way that helps people understand them uh, without having to dig up all their old stuff. Because the original Cybermen uh, showed up in the first Doctor's very last story. Uh, it was called the Tenth Planet, because back then we still considered Pluto a planet. So a 10th planet showed up in the solar system. <laughs> it still is a planet, Zach. What are you even talking about? <laughs> They uh, a tenth planet showed up in our solar system, and it was populated by the people of Mondas. The thing with them is that they had undergone such extensive surgery that they were sort of ship of Theseusing themselves. Like what part of them left was man, what part of them was robot, and so they're Cybermen is what they've become. Uh, and the original design for them is. Like, you think these guys are terrifying? I think the original design is haunting. Because they didn't have, like, the rigid metallic robot structure in I want to look it up. Yeah, look up original Cybermen. They almost look like they were wrapped in, like, medical gauze. Ew. And just had, like, blank eyes. And because over time, as the footage for that episode has had to get in... Ew, what the... Book? Right? No, 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 ew. Um, and they they sounded. Zach, they, this they, is scary. Why'd you tell me to look at this up? <laughs> I didn't tell you to look this up. This one looks like it's holding an air conditioning unit. Yeah, that's the other thing about them is that you know they have you know because they're patients they have medical equipment attached to them. <gasps> that's like, horrifying. Yeah, right. I hate this. Um, and they didn't talk quite right. Like, they still had mouths then. Um, but the, I believe they... Their over freaking mouths moved? Yeah. But they didn't They didn't move like they were talking. They just sort of, like, slowly vibrated up and down. And I believe after the fact, they had someone dub in the line for them afterwards. So they're just going... With their mouth I hate that so much. Oh, yeah. It's, it's terrifying. Um, but it's one of the things that's kind of even weirder about it as time has gone on because that original episode has had to be upgraded from the original videotape into DVD and now into Blu-ray. As the quality <laughs> has increased, they've only gotten more terrifying because you can start seeing the details of the people under the costumes. No! So it's only more no! obvious no! that the Cybermen have, are like people that have ha that have been experimented on. And it's haunting. I hate that. I hate that so much. If for no other reason than fun fact about me, I'm legitimately scared of mummies. <laughs> I think they're fascinating and and beautiful and just it, what a weird time for people to mummify their their beloved uh, to cross over into the afterlife. However, um, when I was a small girl. My brother was really into watching The Mummy, uh, much to my dismay. And so I developed an, an irrational fear for the undead coming back to life. And so anything that vaguely resembles that, like undead being reborn, mm -hmm. already scary. But when you plug that into sci-fi, where literally anything is fucking possible... That is a big note for me. I do not like these. Yeah. I will take my cute little my cute little pepper pot Dalek any day. <laughs> Cause at least I know I can I can kinda take that one. You could kinda take that one. Yeah, well, I mean, if nothing else, I would die laughing, which I can live with. <laughs> I will also just to dip back into the Picassi Profassi here real quick. Yeah, uh, you you were definitely correct on the alternate Earth. I would argue I was correct on the on the first. And the other the other one you said that they uh, tried to take over the planet, but not via death. You you said they tried to remove them from the planet. 
I will still accept it on the on the main the core of it is still correct that they do try to take over various worlds but do not try to kill the people there they try to assimilate the people there see i um, i would never have guessed assimilation because i did not think that that would ever be a possibility <laughs> yes uh, foolish uh foolish the, i was the borg from star trek uh straight up ripped off the cybermen uh in many ways so let's do a couple other little cassie professies here and see if we can get you Ugh. To uh, get you back up to the race right now because right now you're at 17 out of 34 so you're back to 50 50 let's see if we can get you over that and since you seemed a little a little bothered by a, a little bothered by how the last prof the professor from the first episode went here i'm going to make these other two uh i'm going to give you two choices for each one and so you can just pick one of the two to make it a slightly more educated guess for you thank you uh the first one is You've met John Lumick, uh, the creator of this well, universe of Cybermen. Which also, just quick, quick little timeout. What's with him? Is he is he like a Doctor Xavier Frankenstein? Is is that uh, he, is that his vibe? He crafted the Cybermen because he is dying, and so he's trying to find a way to extend human life so he can extend his own. So not at all X Meny. Uh, no, I would not say X-Men. Well, then. He's just in a wheelchair. Yeah, and he's smart and bald. <laughs> <laughs> the three things that define superhero Charles Xavier. Yeah. Wheelchair, bald, and smart. smart. Yeah. Definitely good or evil is irrelevant. Nah. <laughs> I don't know if you remember his face, but he, he was who played Barty Crouch Sr. In I know. Harry Potter and the Goblet him. of Fire. Yeah, so they've they've flipped here, whereas before Barty Crouch Sr. was the good guy and Junior was the bad guy. Junior played by David Tennant. David Tennant is now the good guy and um, Roger Lloyd Pack is the bad guy. I Yeah, I've been sitting here like, scratching my little noggin trying to figure out what I knew him from. Yep, he is Barty Crouch Sr. Um, <laughs> Hello, father. <laughs> so... How do you think his part of this story resolves? Uh, he either, A, is killed by his creations, mm -hmm. or two, is assimilated by his creations into becoming the leader of the Cybermen. Hmm. Interesting. I am going to say that he is B, assimilated. He's assimilated? Yeah. Okay. So. Well, because if that's his whole deal, is that he's dying and wants to extend his life... I mean, that makes the most sense, but also narratively speaking, it's also rather satisfying to see his own creation say, mm -hmm, you're not where they. Yeah. So I, I will, I will specify in both of these scenarios, it is not done willingly in both. I'm giving you, he's either killed unwillingly or he is assimilated unwillingly. I'm going to go with assimilation okay. still. So with assimilation. Uh, and the second one is, uh, Mickey does not continue as a TARDIS companion after this episode. So I will let you decide between, is he killed by the Cybermen? Uh, does he choose to stay in this parallel world? Or does he choose to go back to his regular world fed up with the Doctor and Rose? I am going to say that something happens to Ricky... And so Mickey decides that he is going to stay here and be with his grandmother. Alrighty. So we have so the decisions for Cassie are John Lumick gets assimilated and Mickey takes over the life of Ricky. And we will find out together if that is correct here on the next episode, The Age of Steel. And we are back from the Age of Steel. Mm. Uh, Cassie, you didn't seem to enjoy the Cybermen all that much. No, I did not. <laughs> At least here it's in a way that you're not supposed to like them versus the Slovene, where you didn't like them because they were big dumpy diaper babies. <laughs> I I did not like the Slovene one bit. Um, yeah, because they were just very dumpy these uh, cybermen were very scary 
very scary in a way that is very much like I can legitimately see this happening. Yeah, there's something very human about the desire to keep oneself alive. And it it truly is the fact that the way that you defeat them is by turning on their like emotions, basically. Yeah. So that way they become self-aware. Yeah, they can see they can see what they've become and just lose it. Basically fall into an existential panic, which, to be fair, that is also how I start most of my freakout sessions is by realizing that I am just a bundle of nerves and a brain operating inside of a meat suit. (laughs) And that truly can sometimes really send me into a tailspin. So it does make sense that that is how you would take out cyborgs effectively is by uh, making them remember what they were. (laughs) <laughs> well, and letting them know that they uh they will not be returning to their god <laughs> well uh speaking of existential crises uh your bit of the cassie profacity today has you're you're on four for four today uh, good uh so that means you were at i think you were where were you before you were at 15 out of 32 yes yeah, so now i'm at 19 out, out of, of 36, 36. So that means that you're now slightly above 50%, uh, unlike before. So we're on, a, we're on a real roller coaster ride with you here now. Now, to be fair, um, you didn't not spoon feed me some of those, but I, hey, a win is a win. Yeah, I I, fe- I felt like you needed it, uh, especially with how the, fir- the first half of it was really seeming to get to you. Um, Thank so you. I, I didn't want to like, but I, I don't feel like I gave it to you. I, I did. I did give you choices. So I, I just let your guests be a little more educated more than anything else. I think that's a that's a good way of putting it. So, yes, this episode was about the TARDIS falling through a crack in time and landing in a parallel Earth where uh, there are Zeppelins that fly everywhere. That is the way the rich get around. Uh, there are ear pods in every ear. Uh, they feed everybody the news and a daily joke <laughs> and they turn you into robots. Well, they have the capacity to turn you into robots only yes. if you are of good stock. Only if you are of good stock. And on this parallel earth, there is a, a li- an alive Pete Tyler, still married to Jackie Tyler. Uh, but instead of having a daughter named Rose, they have a dog named Rose. Which, you know, I... I like that. I, it only makes Rose's like need and desire to basically save her parents that much stronger because they don't have anybody that they can compare her to other than the one like not throwaway line. But at one point, Pete Tyler does say like, oh, great. Your name is Rose, just like my dog. <laughs> Well, it's all, there is also something nice about, like, knowing that even on other worlds, they still like the name Rose. Yeah. And so they give it to the creature they put into their care. Although, Jackie Tyler on this Earth sucks. Jackie Tyler on, I suppose we'll call it Earth 2. Uh, if you want to know, fans call it Pete's World. Pete's World. Um... <laughs> like Disney World, but with robots of death. This Jackie just seemed way more... Like, nothing has forced her down a couple pegs. Yeah. she She's gotten everything she wanted, and as such, she is now a spoiled brat. A 39-year-old spoiled brat. <laughs> a 39-year-old, 40-year-old spoiled brat. No, no, no. Just 39. <laughs> 40. It says 40. You are 40. I don't want the whole world telling, do I? You're having a party tonight. My 39th. My official biography says I was born on the same day as Cooper Gooding Jr. And that makes me 39. Thank you very much. There's a part of me that feels like that joke's a little played out. Though, like, no one needs to know that I'm 40. Tell them I'm younger than I am. Like, I mean, to be fair, I do that with my with my younger co-workers where I tell them I am or I'm between my mid to late 20s. And that is all you need to know. <laughs> and it's not because... I'm ashamed of my age. 
I legitimately forget how old I am sometimes. <laughs> so it is just easier for me to tell people that I am a 20-something-year-old teen. <laughs> it's just easier. Um, I did notice something. Um, what is it with billionaires just killing whoever disagrees with them? Because it happened again in this one where... Uh, uh, what's his nuts? Oh, John Lumick. John Lumick is, you know, the, like he's perfecting his, his technology and his uh, associate, his assistant says like, oh, we need to get these approved by, by Geneva. And he goes, mm, no, we don't. And he goes, but what if I didn't? Yeah. And he goes, well, you really should. And he goes, how about? And how will you do that from beyond the grave? What is it with the rich? Killing off people that are just trying to talk some sense. I think sci-fi writers just know that when you reach a certain amount of money, you sort of stop being a person. <sighs> this isn't even sci-fi writers, though, because we fucking saw it with Ocean Gate and all of the scientists. Oh, no, I mean, that I mean, they understood that in real life, what happens to rich people when they get rich enough is they lose their humanity. So that they just become not not humans. They become <gasps> robots. <laughs> but I did also like that in the, in the first part of this two-parter, we got both some more Time Lord lore as well as Mickey lore. <laughs> uh, which one do you want to talk about first? The Time Lord lore. Okay. That's all I had to say. What, what did we... What, did... Well, no, because he was talking about how the reason why they aren't able to easily jump through space time and parallel universes is because at one point when there were time lords you could very easily do that but when all of them died those worlds and those like pathways had to be sealed off yes basically the time lords are sort of are sort of the bureaucracy over space and time they are the th they are the thing that allows people to move along the machine in new ways. So if they want to travel to other worlds, they can do. They can see those, and they can come back in a way that's safe. They they were custodians over time and space, and without them, the Doctor is the lone Time Lord, and he's certainly not going to do all that work. He's got adventuring to do. <laughs> he's got ladies to woo. <laughs> I, I liked that we got to see a little bit of that. And then we also had a nice moment of Rose telling the doctor about Mickey and about his grandmother and how she died because of she like fell down the stairs. And the doctor comments that like, why didn't he say any of this? And she responds, you didn't ask. And he goes, you never said, which I do think is. I mean, obviously, the doctor doesn't treat Rose and Mickey fairly or doesn't treat Mickey fairly in comparison to Rose. But there is a certain truth to like, if you don't queue up a conversation, how do you even think to ask about it? Oh, by the way, let's sit down and talk about my dead grandmother. <laughs> so, hey, Mickey, got any dead relatives you want to talk about? Hey, doctor, since we're not friends, I feel that I need to tell you all about my trauma. <laughs> Are you, when you say you're the doctor, are you like a therapist? <laughs> but in, you know, kind of in that same valley, we do eventually get a very good actor moment from Mickey when oh. he does reunite with his not dead in this world grandmother. Yes. Uh, not dead, but very blind. And that's fine. Yeah, it's just... Uh, and one one nice little touch is uh, Mickey looks over her shoulder and sees that the stairs, like the the carpet on the stairs, is torn, just like it was when it, when that same carpet caused her to fall down the stairs. He has regret. <laughs> he says something along the lines of, "You got time? For you are all the time in the world. <laughs> you say that, but it's all talk." <laughs> And that's just really, that's just really the icing on the cake for me. <laughs> uh, I did like when the grandma's like, you know, your friends, the friends that you know about, the friends that you know about that come around in vans and pick people up in the vans. 
always that's where you're always hanging out doing and then all of a sudden like as if on cue a van pulls up picks him up and drives off with him yeah uh and as he's pulled into the van he meets the preachers preachers including uh jake and mrs moore as well as his parallel self ricky which i thought was a fun callback to the fact that christopher eccleson's doctor kept calling him ricky uh, now, now they're on a world where he really is, and this and Ricky doesn't like being called Mickey. Yeah, and vice versa. Yeah, Mickey didn't really like getting called Ricky, <laughs> and Ricky does not like Mickey, despite them being identical. <laughs> which is also hilarious to me. <laughs> well, it's just because Ricky's so intense. Like he which... is. He's like, I'm the leader here. I'm the most wanted man in London. Which there is something to be said of, it's very nice then that you got to see these two very different sides. It was a little bit of like a, um, like he who remains and Richard Timely, mm-hmm. where it was like, this is the same, this is the same guy, but they could not be more different. And they even did a very good job, like with their like screen splitting yeah, it was it was pretty consistently. It was very well planned every time. The only time I noticed any sort of hiccup is there is a moment where I think it's Ricky is crossing in front of a light that is hitting Mickey's face and the light does not block out ever. Yeah. Um, but it it's also a TV show with TV show budget. The fact that it was as consistent and as smooth as it was, it's <laughs> fine. Uh, I will say that in terms of, like, the planning for this, the director for this two-parter is a man named uh, Graham Harper. And Graham Harper is the first director we've had come back from the classic series. Okay. Uh, He directed uh, one of the last Fifth Doctor story. He directed the Fifth Doctor story, The Caves of Androzani, which is one of the most beloved episodes of the classic series. Um, he's also known to be very different from other directors that work on the show because while most directors in television in general work behind a monitor so they can see what's on the frame and and direct from what they're seeing in camera, Graham prefers to just let the cinematographer handle what's in frame and he'll work with the actors in on set instead. I mean, that's kind of a, a director's job. Yeah, well... Like I said, it's it's really it, it's a granted that I feel like does come from a more theatrical background of yes. directors are meant to direct actors and cinematographers are meant to direct what the audience is seeing. Yes, there's so there's a certain level of like comfort that that Graham brought, especially because he's the actors in general also prefer that method because it feels more personal it it takes them out of the mind of working in camera in fact uh, peter davison had joked that he would have stayed in the show longer if graham harper was directing more episodes because he enjoyed working with him on the caves of androzani so much hmm. yeah this is the first time we've had a classic director come back so he, he is one of the longest working directors in doctor who I just think I just think that's neat. Does uh, he come back to do any other episodes? He does indeed. He does come back to do. Uh, I know he does several over the course of Russell T Davies' run. I don't know that he comes back after that. Okay. Meanwhile, as Mickey is meeting Ricky, the doctor's digging into Pete Tyler discovers that he is close to John Lumick of Cybus Industries, the manufacturer of the ear pods and seemingly the controller of all tech. Which also, there's a moment uh, where Mr. Finch, his like one of his other like associates, is talking to him about like the experiments and showcasing the derelicts that he picked up off the street, and when he sends them back to get transformed, they go ugh. Like, we cover up this heinous sound. (laughs) And they put on the lion sleeps tonight, which any time... That's one of my favorite tropes now, is something horrible happening with a bop in the background, (laughs) a la zombie apocalypse with ABBA playing. Yeah. That is... It's also just really funny, just like... 
Uh, we ha- what do we have queued up already in the playlist? Like in our the playlist of our mad science building. Track nineteen, which means that there has to have been at least twenty other songs. Yeah, I need to know what those twenty other or those. <laughs> Yeah, those, like, other 19 songs would be... Uh, investigating Cypher's industry, they decide the best thing they can do is check up on Pete Tyler, who is at Jackie Tyler's 40th slash 39th birthday party. Sorry, I'm still just thinking about what other songs would be on their playlist. <laughs> uh, and they sneak around as uh, wait staff, which I wonder if someone just did that to get David Tennant in a tux. Hooked on a feeling, I think, is definitely one of them. Just the entire... It's it's just the awesome mixes. Just the various Guardians of the Galaxy soundtracks. No. The Pina Colada song. <laughs> Maybe. There's like one Beatles song just because they're in the UK. <laughs> That's how that works. Everybody in the UK likes the Beatles. Or you too. Depends on what where you are. Uh, and then the Cybermen crash that party. Uh, Literally crash the party, though. They break a window. Yeah, they they bust in through the way, kick open a window, not kick open, kick through a window, uh, and just start invading and telling the president of Britain that everyone is now uh, going to get a free upgrade that's compulsory, which feels very, which also feels very appropriate for technology because I feel like my phone tells me the same shit every week. <laughs> I mean, it's also the, <laughs> that's also the same energy that comes in, um, like in the Haunted Mansion. The very last words of the song it is, uh, we have some rules. Wait, hold on. If you would like to join or something's free, we have some rules that are compulsory. You must pay the token free. Rest in peace eternally. So hurry back if you... You would like your company. That was a very poorly ramshackle iteration of the haunted say, mansion. Man, you, you sound like you were on some downers with that one. Hey, I'm a little sleepy. <laughs> it is my bedtime. Well, let's uh, try and wrap this up then. Uh, so uh, the doctor, Rose, and Pete are running away from the Cybermen uh, while Jackie is running somewhere else in the house. Uh, appeared to be the she, basement. She uh, Count of Amontillado's herself. A little bit. And Hey, I said it right this time because usually it comes out as Count as Armadillo. So <laughs> points for me, everyone. More points for Cassie. Not to the Cassie Profassi, but just points in life. Yeah, I didn't. I said Amontillado, not Armadillo. <laughs> um, and as the Doctor, Rose, and Pete are running through the yard, they bump into... They bump into the preachers and Mickey again, and they all clump together uh, right before the our our two episode break here, when the the doctor is basically offering surrender, and the Cybermen are like, "Nah, you're got you guys are weird. We're gonna delete you now." Now, before that happens, though, I did. I am starting to catch on to something. What's that? And I'm gonna put in another early uh, prefacy. Because Rose says something to the effect of they've got each other and my mom's got no one. Mm -hmm. Talking specifically about Pete and Jackie in this universe. I'm kind of starting to see and and believe that Rose might stay behind or the reason Rose departs from the doctor is for her mom's sake. Because I think a while ago I said it was for Mickey, but because he's staying in... Oh, spoilers... He stays at the end of the second episode. Uh, but but I, I am cashing in on, on an early prefacy that Rose stays behind for her mom because her mom doesn't have anybody, especially now. She doesn't even have Mickey to rely on and commiserate with. Yeah. So you heard it here first, folks. <laughs> So obviously they've they were yelling that uh, they would not accept surrender. They would just delete them. And then the doctor turns the sonic screwdriver into a gun. Not a gun. He turns it into a literal death ray. Yeah, I just I don't. I'm sure it was just like it only worked on Cybermen or something. But wow, did that feel out of place for the sonic screwdriver? Well, particularly since I think it was Captain Jack had commented on. Or because he had something very similar. Yeah, he had a he had a sonic gun. Yeah, and the doctor pulls out his screwdriver, 
and they have banter about that. Yeah, they joke that the that the sonic screwdriver is only good for assembling a cabinet. How do you think that maybe the doctor enhanced the screwdriver after this conversation with uh, Captain Jack? It's certainly possible. I choose to believe we were just getting a visual cue of what the, of the sonic screwdriver messing with their insides. That is what I choose to believe because I do think making a sonic screwdriver into a gun is just kind of dumb. A uh, death ray because it doesn't have any kind of recoil. It's not a gun. He's not shooting a anything. In like a in like a laser gun situation. That that's kind of what I'm getting at. Is I just I feel like it's just better if it's doing something that's not actually a weapon because otherwise it defeats the purpose of having a sonic screwdriver. And also just knowing that this that David Tennant's doctor in particular is a huge <clears throat> stickler for guns. We haven't really gotten to that episode yet, but there's an episode where he's a real stickler about guns. And so it just feels a little weird coming from him. Well, I haven't seen that episode yet, Nick. Yeah, so. I, I was sort of speaking out of turn and I realized we're recording this. So I had to be clear what I was saying. I will also <laughs> say something that I think is funny. What's that? Is um, completely unrelated to either of our tangents, the Cybermen just play a really deadly game of tag. In a sense, yeah. Because it's that you can't be electrocuted unless they're actually touching you. And so it is kind of funny to just watch people running in fear as these big old metal dweebs are they chasing are, after them. They are almost like slasher villains, just without the slashing. Like as, like as soon as, as soon as like uh, they don't have the slashing, they do have the flashing. <laughs> but you know they have the same thing as like Michael Myers. If he like he walks very slow, but when he catches up to you, you're dead. So Lumic then begins the upgrade of London, yeah. which I really enjoy how unhinged Roger Lloyd Pack sounds the whole episode. Mark this day, Doctor Kendrick, we are blessed. The world below can party. Some of us have work to do. My everlasting children, tell me, how does it feel? I know, I was, I did write down in one of my earlier notes, is that just how he sounds or is he specifically putting on an affect? I think he's, I believe he's putting on an affect. Because okay. I, don't, I don't remember him sounding that way as Barty Crouch Sr. No. I think he is, uh, I know he was specifically modeling himself after Donald Rumsfeld. From the Bush administration. Interesting. Uh, so there's a part of me that feels like maybe that's what he's doing. I don't know if he's doing specifically a Donald Rumsfeld impersonation, but I do think that he is going for that idea of a guy that has so much power that he feels like he can just kind of do and say anything, even if some of it's the most horrifying shit imaginable. Hmm. And I don't mind saying anything about this about Donald Rumsfeld because one, he sucks, and two, he's dead. God, Zach, you're making fun of the dead? Um, R.I.P. Feel better. <laughs> and as uh, as this as the Cybermen start rounding up everyone using the ear pods to rope them in, or the Cybermen would just chase anybody that wasn't coming in, nah, Yeah. Uh, they start chasing down Mickey and Ricky. And Ricky dies. Ricky die. Yeah, Mickey... Ricky go bye-bye. Mickey climbs over a fence and Ricky can't quite do it in time. And he get he gets he gets a zappy zap from from the from a grabby hand. Yeah, he gets tagged. <laughs> you are it. <laughs> Meanwhile, uh, one of Lumix's henchmen, uh, his earpods zap him in the head, and he goes, "Oh no, you don't!" And he rips him out just so he can march into Lumix's office. I guess. I think that was also Mister Finch. Mister. I think that's his name. Uh. It might be. Sorry, I thought you were saying, I thought you were trying to give me, I thought you were doing like Filch from Hawk, from Harry Potter. No, I think his name is Finch. Yeah, um, he comes in and he's like, I offer to be upgraded. And by offer to be upgraded, I mean, I'm going to unplug all your shit. Yeah. Just starts like wriggling around him and pulling off every cord he can. All of his pretty little green tubes. Hey, he's not going to get his, he's not going to get any more ecto cooler. <laughs> Whatever is supposed to be in that tube. That's not, that's not safe. Um, that's not FDA approved. And the Cybermen kill, kill Finch and carry Lumic off to be upgraded. 
Against his will. Against his will. He wants. He wasn't ready. He didn't want to be upgraded until it was his last breath. And so the Cybermen said, you will simply stop breathing. Which, like, dude, your life support system's been ripped out of your yeah. back. You are dying. Yep. You uh, are reaching your last breath, my guy. Uh, one thing worth mentioning, since I keep doing this Cyberman voice, uh, you did say that the Cyberman voice also scratches your brain in the same way the Daleks do. Not as good. Not as good as Dalek. Well, the funny thing is they're, vo- they're both voiced by the same guy. I, I kind of assumed because there was a, a similar ishness to it. Yeah, they're both voiced by Nicholas Briggs, just with slightly different vocal modifiers. Um, he's played them both in uh, in the new series, obviously, and he played them in some big finish audio dramas uh, that I'd mentioned a couple episodes back. Uh, so this is Nicholas Briggs. I I love him. <laughs> he seems like a good dude from my from what I've heard. Um, awesome. We love a good dude. <laughs> Ricky uh, or Mickey catches up with the rest of the crew and Jake is immediately pretty horrified that Mickey is the one that survived and not Ricky. And specifically the way that Jake is like really upset. I almost wonder if there was a draft where Jake and Ricky were, were like partners, like romantic partners. I mean, there's a very good possibility of that, particularly since this isn't apocalypse end times, but their little ragtag team of outsiders definitely have an and that same energy. Yeah. Or at the very least, and there's no or well, no, there's no way that it could have been influenced by it, but their dynamic was a little bit <laughs> bubblegum and marceline. Yeah. Particularly, I guess a little spoilies. Wee woo wee woo spoily alert. Um, in the new Fiona and Cake series, you see a very different iteration of uh, Bubblegum and Marceline that are way more straight-laced and way more, like, hard, which in this instance did feel very much like a, uh, like a James? James and Mickey. Jake. Jake and Mickey. Jake and Mickey. Jake and Ricky would have been the... Jake uh... and Ricky. Well, the uh, the the crew all decide to come. The TARDIS crew and the preachers come together, and they decide they're going to take on Lumix Factory. Uh, so, J- uh, Rose and Pete go off to try and find Jackie. The Doctor and um, I blanked on her name again. Um, Angela Price. I, mean, I was trying to think of her fake name. Uh, Angela but- Price, <laughs> Mrs. Moore. Yes, Mrs. Moore. Uh, the Doctor and Mrs. Moore go un- go underground to try and find. Uh, to try and attack it from under, going through the cooling vents. And Jake and Mickey go up top to the balloon to try and break the transmitter to the airpod to the airpods. To the earpods. As they're going through, Pete and Rose find Jackie. Mm-hmm. Uh, she is They sure do find Jackie. <laughs> she is already turned into a Cyberman. And I am not gonna lie, that's kinda horrifying. Like, that part gets me every time a little bit. Well, particularly since in that particular scenario, they're banking on her still being alive if she wasn't already dead. And so I think that they were either hoping, like, oh, no, she's not here at all. She must have been killed. I don't think either of them put the possibility of she's already been turned into a Cyberman. Yeah, or if they had, they would have just been like, we can't find her, she's got to be somewhere, or we can just assume that she's gone. Not, she's going to approach you and talk to you in the most emotionless voice you have ever heard. That is not hers anymore. Yes. Unlike who the Doctor and Mrs. Moore run into, one Sally Phelan, uh, the uh, Mrs. Moore throws an electromagnetic bomb at one of the Cybermen, and that shuts off the suit and kills the emotional inhibitor. And this, the woman trapped in that suit just starts talking. Why it's so cold? Can you remember your name? Sally. Sally Phelan. You're a woman. Where's Gareth? Who's Gareth? He can't see me. It's unlucky the night before. 
She starts saying that she's cold, that she's so cold. And then I went, uh-oh, am I feeling bad? Am I feeling bad for these scary, scary robots? <laughs> Why are her nerves made of slime? Why is she so cold? Oh no, this poor, this poor lady. This poor has-been woman. It's making me sad. And I, I think there's something, I, I do think it was a smart choice to have both of the like people that reveal themselves from within the suit are both women, while the Cybermen have male presenting voices. Because there's something about it that is really jarring about it to remind you that these aren't just soldiers or or robots. They are people that are put in here and stripped of their humanity. Well, that and it's also like, it's a very common stereotype, but women are more sensitive than men. And so if you're trying to emphasize feelings or sensitivity, having those feelings and sensitivity come through the like women woman brains <laughs> trapped in these male them presenting... their lady brains up in them cyber parts yeah there you go i there's a part of me that's like it from a storytelling perspective it makes sense i suppose the feminist in me is very upset because men are sensitive too. Yeah. Like I said, I don't think it's, I, in my opinion, I don't think it's necessarily about them being emotional as much as it is about like their voices don't sound like who they're supposed to be. And so I think it's just, it's that sort of like disconnect that helps your brain remember what's going on. But the Cybermen then uh, invade, like, find all the groups. They kill Mrs. Moore, uh, who we discovered was actually named Angela Price. The Doctor, Rose, and Pete are all taken up to another office area where we find out what happened to John Lumick. He got turned into the cyber controller. In a bigger wheelchair. Yeah, it's... Uh, that feels a little weird. <laughs> that he was put in just a big wheelchair. Because uh, you tried calling it a throne, but... I, I'm sure that's what they called it in the script, that he's in a throne. But it does feel weird that he's just still in a wheelchair. <laughs> Uh, I did like that he kept his voice, though. It was still uh, it was still Roger Lloyd Pack's voice. But it did have the same modulator. Yes. So there was something about it that was kind of fun. Did you catch that this one had an exposed brain? Yeah, of course I did. And his eyes lit up. Oh, I, I didn't put together that the eyes were different. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's fun. Yeah, because everybody else had just... Oh, yeah. I, I mean, yeah, a very up the... close, you could see that it was just like a mesh screen and their mm -hmm. eyes are black. But Lumix robot body was one of the only ones that had like LEDs in yeah, the had like a little eye red, sockets. Uh, diamond lights. I did catch that. My brain just forgot it for a moment. No, you can say that you forgot it <laughs> or you didn't catch it. That's fine. You don't have to be right all the time, Zach. And meanwhile, meanwhile uh, Mickey and Jake have climbed their way onto a blimp where they find an empty Cyberman that is still just functioning as a robot. And that robot punches the transmitter in the in the fight and frees all the people which is just that's very silly there's just a big mo a big box basically marked transmitter device do not punch hey you know what it serves its purpose <laughs> as a not a because it's not a deus ex machina but it kind of is <laughs> they don't have to search very long to shut off the transmitter it's just there yeah and then they don't, they also don't, the doctor also seems to just kind of get away with talking a lot to the Cybermen. Well, what I, what I love is that it's the minute that he says like men, women, children, even an idiot can do it. And then he kind of turns to the camera to which then Mickey goes, Hey, I'm, I'm an idiot. idiot. I'm the idiot. <laughs> I do enjoy how, like, I think the doctor, like, gyms the camera three different times to look at Mickey. Yeah. Because <laughs> um, they uh, they try to direct Mickey to find the code that will uh, turn off the emotional inhibitors. Yeah, like the kill code. Yes. Uh, and so they do some back and forth for a little bit while the doctor basically kills time and gives Mickey, like, secret messages so they can get the code from them. And that code 
makes all of them lose their, like, all the Cybermen just lose their minds. They start crying and screaming and running around. One of them, one of them has their head completely explode off their body. Yeah. God, that was, that was so funny. Uh, Especially because that one just, like, stands there for a minute, and you almost want the head to, like, just start turning red for a minute. (laughs) Just, like, as a cartoon character, because I just ate something too spicy. One of my favorite moments during this uh, conversation the doctor has with uh, the doctor has with the cyber controller is the cyber controller says that he has factories on seven continents, which I want to know why you have factories in Antarctica. <laughs> I I don't think you need cyber penguins. I mean, you can have. That's where all the like extras are. Bring me a cyber polar bear. Bring me cyber harbor seal, leopard seal. <laughs> Cyber seal. Cyber. R, R, R. Cyber narwhal. <laughs> Unicorn of the sea. But they succeed in blo- in destroying all of the Cybermen. And so the Cyber Controller uh, starts, has to get up out of his chair and he rips all of his cords out of his chest very dramatically uh, before running up to try and catch them. And they escape in a balloon. This is not the first time that Rose has been dangling off of a Zeppelin. Oh my god, you're right. Yeah. Yeah. This is now twice that Rose has had to hang outside of a airborne blimp as she dangles from the bottom. At least this time she was on a ladder and not a rope, yeah. but still. Uh, the cyber controller catches up with him and starts trying to climb up that ladder onto the blimp. And the doctor throws Pete the sonic screwdriver because the sonic screwdriver can break rope. And we get this wonderful, like, dramatic fall of the cyber controller as it falls backwards into the flames. Uh... You know how they always have, like, cool guys don't look at explosions? Yeah. Cool guys definitely don't fall into explosions. (laughs) Ass first into an explosion. Into a decimated building, but lame rope, but lame robots. They can definitely fall in. Well, because they're not cool guys. <laughs> Afterwards, they all meet back at the TARDIS. Rose sort of spills the beans a little bit to Pete about her being his daughter in a, from another dimension, and Pete's not. was not an emotional state for that at all. No, Which I don't his blame him. wife just died. His, his wife died the worst death imaginable. She got converted into a robot and then was immediately driven insane. On her birthday. On her 39th birthday. Uh, and Mickey decides he's going to fill in for Ricky to spend time with his grandma and help uh, liberate the world from Cybermen. Which I think is really sweet because as far as his grandma's concerned, Ricky is not dead and so there's a part of me that believes that Mickey does not want this version of his grandma to grieve his loss. Yeah, not in the same way that he had to grieve hers. No, which is really sweet and also very sad because, like, the entire episode, people are making him feel like he's useless and forgettable. And so it is a little sad and tragic, I suppose, that... The way that he sees himself off is by staying behind in a world that he exists, but he won't exist in. Yeah. There is no records of Ricky, whatever his last name is, or Mickey, whatever his last name is. Smith. Ricky Smith. Mickey, Mickey Smith. Mick Smith. And there-, it, there, there is a part that's like, he's making this decision for himself, which is awesome. And... And, you know, it's better that he's he's doing this on his own free will. He did not get pushed out of the TARDIS. He is not getting left behind on purpose. Yeah. And also, there's a part of me that's a little disappointed that he only really got two proper trips in the TARDIS. Yeah. He got one trip in the last episode and he got this one and then he decided to call it quits. Which is just like, I feel like he deserved better. I thought I thought the actor did, did a much better job. Well, yes, but also Mickey does the same thing in this episode that he does in every other fucking episode. Yeah. Where he makes Rose basically choose between him and the doctor. 
Yeah. And then gets all butthurt when she chooses the doctor. But this time, it's Mickey making the doctor choose between him and Rose. Yeah. And that's just kind of fucked up. Yeah, and it's yeah, it's just I'm I'm like, I'm glad Mickey's in a place now where he cannot deal where he it's not he can't just like sit around waiting for Rose and the doctor to show up anymore. He's not going to just spin his wheels for that cuz he as far as he's aware, the doctor can't come back. Mhm. So, I I'm glad that the I'm glad that Mickey will has now had some kind of actual firm character growth that will have to stick. And at the very least this does feel like closure. Yeah. Like he and Rose are definitely done. Mhm. Um, and he can't even run to that world's version of Rose because that's a dog. Because that's a Yorkie. <laughs> I uh I I mean they also had a nice proper breakover Mickey's like we had something a long time ago and we don't anymore. Yeah. Which I think there's a really mature way of approaching that, which is just like, we are not like, it's not that we don't care about one another. We just don't. We're not, you know, we're, we're not a romantic partnership anymore. Uh, I think that's just very mature. Yeah, uh, it's mature in a way that you also often don't see on television. Yeah, um, because it's usually we've. It, the the excuses are usually we've grown apart, we just need to take a break, or there's someone else. Very rarely is it we've grown apart, like we're still friends, we'll always be friends, I'll always still love you. And we had something that just isn't there anymore. Yeah. Like, that's so adult. <laughs> Yeah. How and, mature. But we're back to just the Doctor and Rose and the TARDIS again. Gender balance is restored. So we'll see. We'll have to see how this partnership keeps going next time. But just as a quick a quick thought, how do the Cybermen compare to you compared to the Daleks? We've been over this, Zach. <laughs> Daleks are little guys. I will always love a little guy. I'm a little guy advocate. <laughs> Big scary robot guy? Uh-uh. Do not like. Like it's I sent you a picture today of a Dalek teapot. I want that. If there was a like Cyberman lunchbox where their little head handle is the handle, uh-uh. No thank you, that's scary. I'll pass. <laughs> well, you now know two of the three big in the trinity of doctor who villains um you seem to have very strong emotional reactions to both of them uh you don't necessarily want to collect the cybermen but you at least seem to respect their menace um i don't want anything to do with them they can fuck right off (laughs) uh and you and you certainly like them little dalek boys oh my god i love them well uh we'll have to see which one comes back first as we get into the next episodes of doctor who here Uh, So we'll all see you guys next time on the next episode of Who Is My Doctor? Who is my doctor? Who is indeed. Goodbye. Goodbye. You will now subscribe to this podcast. It is compulsory. Or more accurately, I would just really appreciate it. I would also appreciate you giving this podcast a thumbs up or five stars or sharing it with your fellow Whovians. You can follow us on Twitter, Blue Sky Threads, or Instagram at WimdyPod. That's W-I-M-D-P-O-D. We just wrapped up a poll to decide which classic Doctor Who story Cassie will watch first, and it was decided that it will be Genesis of the Daleks. Be sure to look forward to that once we finish up this season of the Revive series. Next up, though, we'll turn on the old boob tube and get our faces stolen in the Idiot's Lantern. See you next Tuesday, because your Tuesdays are now Whose Days.